0: Acts, the second chapter, verses 42 through 47. Here begins the reading of God's holy word. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So far the scripture.
1: Thank you, Latoya. If you will uh, look around you, hopefully you've got one of these cards um, on your seat or around you. Um, we're taking a break from uh, looking at the Gospel of Mark. Um, I'm going to talk to you about fellowship groups, explain what those are, and at the end of this uh, abbreviated sermon, we're going to bring up our fellowship group leaders and introduce you to them. You have in your card um, a description of where our fellowship group leaders meet, and as you listen to me. Um, I hope you're thinking about this. Um, I became a Christian attending a group. Uh, I went to church for many months, but I would sit at the back, because who knew what crazy Christians were capable of, and as soon as the sermon finished, I was out of the door. And it wasn't until I joined a small group that I found people I could get to know people that I could ask all my stupid questions without me feeling stupid. And over a period of months, it was the environment that I needed to hold my hand as I made that first leap of faith. So to me, fellowship groups are central to Christianity. They are the church, as I hope to demonstrate to you now. And as I talk to you, think about that. Think about, look, look on the card. It's got the nights and, which are, and the places where our groups are and you will see the leaders at the end. So what is this passage? Well, those of you who have been coming for a while know that we've been going through the Gospel of Mark, one of the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, that begin the New Testament. And the Gospels tell us what happened after Jesus was born, began his ministry, his journey as we've seen to Jerusalem, his journey to the cross, He is crucified, dead, and buried, and then he's resurrected, the central miracle of Christianity. The Gospels end with his resurrection, and then the four Gospels are followed by the book of Acts, called the book of Acts because it talks about what the disciples did next, what happened after Jesus' death and resurrection. And if you begin to read the book of Acts, it's really the history book of the Christian church. It begins with all the disciples. They've just watched Jesus return to the Father, glorified back to heaven. Just as he promised, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit descends on them with tongues of fire. We celebrate that at Pentecost. They're enabled through the power of the Spirit to talk all the languages of the world and to preach. Peter preaches the first Christian sermon in Jerusalem. This is in Acts 2. And then, as he preaches in Jerusalem, the power of the Holy Spirit converts 3,000 people. It's quite a sermon. 3,000 people become Christians after that first sermon. And this passage that we just read tells you what did they do. 3,000 people have just become uh, the beginnings of the Christian church they've just become Christians what did they do next? how did they respond to what had just happened to them? and verse 42 tells us they it's talking about the 3,000 plus the 12 disciples now called apostles they devoted themselves to the apostles teaching and to fellowship to the breaking of bread and to prayer They, a new creation. The church begins here, and it is not just a social group. It has been created through the power of the Holy Spirit. It is a supernatural entity, something new in creation, new in the world, something that had never existed before. And when, under the power of the Spirit, they began to meet, you now had something that began to define its habits, its culture, its practices. These are the foundational pillars of the Christian church. The Holy Spirit built something new. We saw in Mark how Jesus said the temple is now defunct. In fact, the temple is going to be destroyed uh, 70 AD and is being replaced by these people. They devoted themselves. This became the new focus of their life. The apostles' teaching, that is, what the uh, disciples were telling them. Essentially, what we have in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the record that the apostles gave of their time with Jesus. We heard him say this. We saw him do this. When he was challenged, this is how he responded. The apostles' teaching is the four. Um, gospels that we have to fellowship I'm going to talk about this more but this it's, it's a strange word nowadays but it, the original word remember this is the English translation of an original Greek word this is the translation of the Greek word koinonia koinonia isn't just hanging out together it isn't just getting together Koinonia is the word used in the Bible to describe the relationship of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. This is divine union, the spiritual life of God, the intimacy from all eternity that defines the community, the Trinity of God. And when we become part of the Christian church, when we hear the word, we learn about Jesus, the person and empowered by the Holy Spirit, we become part of this koinonia. We begin our journey as members of the family of God to the day that we will see Him face to face. It is not, and this is what I want to stress, it is not just a social club. It is not just getting together and talking about Christian stuff. It is beginning to be prepared for the divine eternal life that we will share with God. One writer said, when you go to church, you should lash yourself to the pews and chairs, wear life vests and helmets, because we're coming face to face with the creator of the universe universe, and anything could happen. I tell people when they pray, they should be careful the Holy Spirit can change you and through you can change the world. And when you come to church, you are opening yourself up to that power. You're becoming part of that community. So why does the church exist? Why is there a Christian church? Why did Jesus leave the church after after he returned to the Father? The church really has two roles. It is in the world to take care of Christians. You know, we have right here at the Lord's Table. We are here to be fed spiritually, renewed, united, educated, taken care of, the place that we can bring our hopes and fears, the place that we can be supported in this difficult life. But there's something else. A job is to invite other people to this table. Just as Peter preached that first sermon, and the church began with 3,000, the job of the church in the world is to witness Christ, the Word of God, the power of God, to the world. This world is not all there is. Our lives are not defined by our death. There is more. And that more begins in the Christian church and is a pilgrimage, is a journey, a lifetime journey that ends up face to face with our creator. And the church is where you begin that journey. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. The Great Commission, the last command that Jesus gave to his disciples. Let's talk talk a little bit more about this idea of koinonia, of fellowship, of, of community. One of the things I've noticed, and it was true of me when I I became a Christian in New York, people who come to this area tend to be people who are very rational. We're a professional culture. You pass exams, you go to college, you become professional, and you move to New York to advance your career. In general, New York, the metro area, values knowledge, rationality thinking. And you'll often find that people who come to church, people who come to fellowship groups, they want to know, what's the stuff I need to learn to pass the exam? How do I become a Christian? What's all that clever stuff that you know that I need to know? And you tend to devalue or overlook just the fact of getting together. You know, life is busy in the city. Time is money. Time is precious. Our energies, our times, our commitment are dominated by work, by family, by responsibilities. Who has the time to hang out, to sing Kumbaya, and do all the gooey, glutinous stuff of making new relationships? Christians. You are not, and I am not, and nobody is transformed just by ideas. Some of you have heard this uh, before, but uh, there's a a famous book, a very influential book, uh, in the early 2000s, written by James Hunt. And it's called The Death of Character. And I don't know if you remember that in the 90s there was all this uh, fear that uh, America was losing its morals and the business had become corrupt and students uh, were just out after money. And there were a lot in the 80s and 90s, there were a lot of classes uh, and a lot of professional schools that started to teach morality, started to teach codes of conduct, come up with codes of conduct. Business schools, law and medical schools had ethics classes that were required. Uh... Colleges, even high schools, started trying to teach values. Honesty, fairness, justice, civic participation, requiring volunteerism, which is a weird idea. And um, the question was, does it work? Was all this energy worth it? And James Hunt, a sociologist, did an extensive study over the whole country, studying all different versions of these ethics classes, these values classes. And he went to more conservative schools and more conservative professions, and he went to liberal schools. The conservative programs tended to focus on traditional values. Um, The liberal schools tended to focus on raising self-esteem. Both were complete failures. The result was not people whose values are changed because we don't get our values by reading books. Our values come to us through the relationships we have. They come through our friends, through our family, through our parents. They come to people that we respect, people we look up to, people we spend time with. You are changed, you grow, your character is formed in a community, in a series of relationships amidst the people that you value and trust. Your heart, your soul, your mind will follow and be shaped by what you devote your time and energy and life to. Those are the things that you are being shaped by. And you know this is true. How many self-help books do you have at home, unread on your shelves? How to be a better parent or spouse or lover or employee or boss or student? How to be healthier or wealthier or smarter or more creative or more lovable. How to be better at money management, at timekeeping, better cook. How to remember names. I've got a whole bunch of those, by the way. <laughs> All on folders and books, unread, dusty, on the shelf. Do they change you? Of course they don't. You forget them almost immediately. You are changed. You are shaped you become what you devote yourself to and in the culture and the people and the community you devote yourself to. Verse 46. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. You can go, and I have seen people come to church for months or years without any appreciable change in their life or their values. Because you know how it is. You show up on Sunday morning, you wear clean clothes, you look your best, you shake people's hands. How are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Shiny, happy people holding hands. We put up our facade. We put up on our best. We try to be what we think other people want us to be. But what's going on inside remains exactly the same. You know, I my, One of my jobs when I was a pastor in Manhattan was to teach people how to do small groups. And I would always tell them this story. In fact, we had a class yesterday. I told exactly the same story. Every human being has exactly the same problem. A broken heart. A broken relationship with God. We are created by God to be in relationship with him, to worship him, to love him, to be devoted to him. And the Bible tells us that relationship is broken. Every human being, their heart is broken, a big hole. How are you going to fix it? Not by watching Netflix. Not by reading self-help books. Not by drinking. Not by all the things that people do to distract themselves so they don't think about what's going on in their life. I was told this at seminary. Everyone needs some person in their life, and this is the job of a pastor or a minister or anybody who's spiritually working with someone, Everybody needs someone in their life who asks them the question, how are you and God doing? What's going on between you and God? Because that is the issue of life. Every single person in this room has the same problem. Everybody in Hoboken. Everybody in New York. Everybody in the world. A broken heart. How are you going to fix it? Not by showing up once a week, saying, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Not by listening to a pastor talk to you. Hopefully I'm pointing you in a direction. How are you going to fix a broken heart? By surrounding yourself with people who care, who share the same values, who week after week are going to get to know you, are going to hear about your problems, who are going to pray for you, who you are going to learn to trust until eventually you can confess and talk about and pray about the real issues. That's the purpose of the Christian church and that's what happens when you go to a fellowship group. You can't know and love everybody in this room. You can get to know Four to five to six to seven people if you meet them every week or every other week. Over the course of the year, especially in the city, they will become your rock, your foundation. You'll learn to trust them. They will trust you and you will grow. And that's why we do it. Only, this is an extreme thing to say. I think if you're not part of a fellowship group that is a Christian community in addition to what happens on Sunday you're not really in the church. Notice what it says about the early Christians. Every day they continued to meet together in temple courts so they all got together in a big group they went to the temple They got they saw each other every day there was also the worship in the temple but then they went to each other's homes in small groups and that's where they devoted themselves to the apostles' preaching, to prayer, to worship, to fellowship, to breaking bread together. We're going to do that in a moment. If you want to transform, if you want to become something new, join a fellowship group. Dietrich Bonhoeffer... um, he was a, sort of a monk pastor, part of the German church when the Nazis took over. And the, the Nazis forced many Christian churches to kowtow to the Nazi regime, but there were groups of ch- Christians who resisted kowtowing and acknowledging and supporting the Nazis. And Dietrich Bonhoeffer was part of one of those communities. They were forced to meet underground, in secret. If a single person in that church betrayed them, the whole lot of them would be wiped out. So to go to a service, to be part of that community, required an amazing amount of faith and trust. And he writes an, he writes an amazing book, which I recommend to you, called Life Together. What coin in what community, what trust and transformation really requires and what it looks like. And he says this in that book. He who is alone in his sin is utterly alone. Remember, sin means to miss the mark. It is the aspects, all aspects of our life that are not pointed at God that are chasing after other things. He who is alone in his sin is utterly alone. It may be that Christians notwithstanding corporate worship, he's talking about Sunday, and all their fellowship in service may still be left to their loneliness. The final breakthrough to fellowship, koinonia, does not occur, because though they have fellowship with one another as devout people, they do not have fellowship with each other as Sinners. Devout people are people who look like they're all together, who show up shiny and happy, who say everything's okay. Christians are people who recognize that they remain sinners, that there are aspects of their life that are not devoted to God, that are not pointed at God, aspects of their life that they're ashamed of, aspects of their life that are not presentable to other people ordinarily and every single one of us has such things in our life and until we find a place of trust and community honest enough to share that where we can really reveal ourselves there's no transformation there's no healing. The pious fellowship permits no one to be a sinner So everybody must conceal his sin from himself and from the fellowship. Pious fellowship is where everybody's together, shiny happy people holding hands. But it is the grace of the gospel, which is so hard for the pious to understand, that confronts us with the truth and says, you are a sinner, a great and desperate sinner. Now come as the sinner you are, to God who loves you he doesn't want anything from you a sacrifice or a work he wants just you you alone as you are this message is liberation through truth the, the mask that you wear before other people will do you no good before him he wants to see you as you are he wants to be gracious to you. You can dare to be a sinner. Christianity is not a rule book that we learn so that we can get our lives together. The Bible is not a self-help book. The Bible tells us about Jesus, a Savior. We need to be saved. We need to be saved from the world and from ourself And the way that's going to happen is when we begin to be honest with God and honest with each other. And that's why we need each other and that's why we need to participate in small groups. Let's talk a little bit more about koinonia, this communal life. Jesus was part of that for all eternity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That's where he comes from. Perfect relationship. So perfect, so self-giving, so generous towards each other, so lacking in restraint, that three become one, and yet distinct. Each protects and respects and honors the other, without limit. That's koinonia. That's why the Bible says that, that God is, his very nature is love, this shared intimacy, this community, a fellowship of love. Jesus left that. Perfect existence. Perfect. He leaves that and becomes a little child. Finite, vulnerable, small, pooping, constantly surprised, like most children are, by his own poop, no doubt. Why would God do that? So that He, making Himself vulnerable, making Himself one of us, would be approachable. So that we could begin to trust the God who would be so open, so radically generous, take such risks on our behalf. And then He forms a small group, 12 disciples the apostles who become the foundation of the church. And those 12 become the Christian church. 3,000 are the first sermon, filled with the Holy Spirit, now at that supernatural community. And the promise is, Jesus says this, where two or more are gathered in my name, there I am. His spirit is present. And therefore, in the church, when we, in faith, put our trust in Christ, we are participating in the divine life. Now, there are still other terrible things going on. We're distracted. We chase after other things. We have other passions and loves. But there is now an aspect of ourselves that is part of that divine life. And every time we confess... That is, repent, turn from that old life to this new life. Every time we come to the table and feed it, it grows. We become more and more the true children of God. When the Bible says, you know, become like Christ, that's what it means. To fully participate in the divine life of God. To be filled with his spirit to be aiming at him and his heart. So how are you going to do that? How can we do that? How should we do that? Well, if you've never done it before, try one of these groups. You know, I've just given you some pretty exalted ideas, and it can be, seem so mundane. You know, you show up on a Wednesday night and you have a cup of coffee with some people. Recognize what you're doing. The people that you encounter in this room and in that apartment are on a journey just like you. They are eternal beings, spiritual beings. They are being perfected by God's presence in their life. And the relationships you begin in those groups are relationships that are going to grow and last for all eternity. we are being transformed into something that's going to last for all eternity. You know, the first group that I ever went in, this is 20 plus years ago, the first person that showed up was uh, a guy called Arvin. Arvin So. He was the first through the door. We shook hands. He is my best friend. He is now an elder in the the city. We get together every week. We've been doing that for 20 years. And we got into the habit of that first group. It began the relationship, and we have grown together through his marriage and his children, uh, the upsets we have in each other's lives. We've prayed for each other. He's become the rock that I have in the city. And it started with him just walking through the apartment door and shaking my hand. We are building something for all eternity. Relationships with each other, which will last. It's not just a social group. It's something extraordinarily precious. We just have to listen. We just have to try. We just have to reach out, show up. So I've taught a lot. You don't listen to preachers anyway. You will listen to the people in the small group that you go to every week. And so I'm going to invite the fellowship group leaders up. They're going to stand up. They're going to introduce themselves to you. I want you to look at the faces I want you to think about talking to them after the service. We've got some of the details here. We actually have uh, some sign-up sheets if you're interested in learning more. Oh, by the way, um, for those of you who have been coming to the church for a while, I also have an announcement. Pam Shoop here. Shop. I was going to right, go, sorry. Pam Shop is our new fellowship group director. We're actually calling her Director of Community Formation. She just said yes. Uh, on Monday. And uh, she is going to be coordinating, helping organize training, and overseeing our fellowship group system. Oh, wait. You can applaud. Congratulations. (laughs) She said yes.
2: (laughs) Um, So, yes. So, we are passing around these sign-up sheets that have each of these groups listed on them that I will let each person introduce their group. But if, you do, if there, none of these groups work for you time-wise or location-wise, please come talk to me because if there is a critical mass of people, we can you know, try to form a new group that works for people in another location or time. So this is not a finite end-of-the-world kind of list. Um, you want to start?
1: Um,
0: now I got it. So um, I think um, Wednesday nights, um, Sam and I host a group. Um, we typically, the way that we structure it is um, we kind of hang out, get to know each other for for a while, and then we um, we will kind of over the course of time tackle a book of the Bible. Um, it's been it's been awesome because uh, you know you can share different perspectives, and it really helps us. Um, we we found that it really helps us to. Um, uh, to, to to learn and really just see things from different perspectives and and as you kind of work through the uh, various books of the Bible, um, you know, it really kind of helps you just just think about um, just think about Christ in your in your daily life. But even more than that, as, um, as Tony and Pam was echoing, um, we've just really um, found a way to connect to this church for for a while when we first started coming. Um, you know, we could kind of show up and then leave, show up and then leave and never really kind of feel like we had any roots down. And as we formed a group, um, we really just look forward to coming to church on Sundays and um, having our, our friends and our Christian um, you know, our Christian friends, fellow believers join us at our house. Um, Sam bakes every time. And that's, that's definitely worth coming itself. So um, we welcome anyone. Any questions, just come and, and talk to us.
2: I'm Sam, and this is Doug, and we're in Weehawken.
3: Hi, I'm Godfrey. We meet on Tuesdays at Jeremy Thompson's place. It's on 9th and Madison, 7.30. Um, we are have a couple more chapters of 1 Corinthians, and then we'll start something new. So um, J- Jeremy's on 9th and Madison every Tuesday, 7.30.
4: Good morning my name is Peyton Bryant uh, my wife Bora and I are going to host a group uh, we're going to do once a month on Saturday mornings so we did weeknights for five years as part of the downtown Hoboken fellowship group and um, we just want to try something different do a little bit longer so we're going to get the start time right based on what folks that are interested want to do, but I'm thinking like 9:30 to 11:30 in the morning, maybe 9:30 to 12. I'm thinking brunch, I'm thinking fellowship, I'm thinking prayer. Um, you know, we can kind of play with that, but uh, the idea is to do once a month, like a sustained Saturday morning. Um, we want we have ideas on childcare, so if there are families that want to come, um, you know we're we're at 333 River and we've got some facilities that can help keep kids entertained. Um, so that, that's what we're thinking about. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna be in scripture also in studies and uh, in fellowship. So uh, Peyton and Bora downtown Hoboken Saturdays in the morning.
3: Good morning, I'm Andrew Schaff. as you heard from my wife Pam. Um, about three years ago we got married and moved to Hoboken and immediately started going into a small group at that time led by Tony. And it was about the same time Doug and Sam came as well and about a year, year and a half into that we broke off and formed our own. So we've been in a group together for the past three years and we feel now we're being called to start our own group. So we'll be starting a brand new group this coming Wednesdays, Wednesdays at 8 at our apartment at 11th and Hudson here in North Hoboken North. We don't quite know exactly what we're going to do yet, but it'll probably be very similar to what um, Doug and Sam have offered. We'll pick a book of the Bible, more more than likely. We'll have a, have a discussion to see who comes and what the interest is. We'll go through it. Um, we'll definitely have time for fellowship. We we want to introduce a time of worship into the, the group as well to kind of make that break from your week weekday into into the small group time. But this is a brand new. We'll we'll see where it goes and see where the wind takes us, and that'll. Um, we will have this adventure together. So Wednesdays at 8, please come talk to us if you're interested.
2: Hi, I'm Robin, and I help organize uh, the moms groups. So um, we have morning group at 9.30 on Wednesdays, and it meets at EV Free Hoboken. Um, we have child care if you want to just, like, hang out with your friends without the little one and just chill for a little bit Um, but babies are super welcome and we're very like baby friendly too so Um, yeah I'm excited because we're going through an abide study about the first second and third John and we're kind of reading it together and trying to use what God's given us because we're fully equipped right um, for everything we need in spiritual life and then we're listening to an audio during the week to help us learn and more about the books um the second one is the Working Moms group, which is exciting. We started that last year, and it's podcast-based, and once a month, and it's been great. Um, both are great for communities. I feel like we can get advice from each other, be honest with each other, and get prayer, and it's been really good.
3: Hey, I'm Nathan. Um, this is my wife, Robin. We're going to try something a little experimental. Um, we don't. We're calling it Wine, Wisdom, and Song, and we don't want to be like your core group. We want you to meet regularly with, with one of these groups, but as you're available, feel free to come to ours. Anyone can come. It's open to anyone, um, and we're going to do it once a month. Um, and the idea is we'll drink some wine together. We'll uh, discuss questions that you might have, so bring any, any questions, and then we'll close in song. on. Um, and the first meeting we're going to do is October 12th, which is a Friday, Um, at night and um, the time is to be decided if you're interested talk to me I'll add you to our mailing list
1: so there they are Um, nearly always we begin with a set of leaders and then we will develop more groups as the ministry goes on so don't despair if there is not something immediately convenient I'd encourage you to try and start and see what happens because something will happen I promise you um, I encourage you to speak to these people after the service. You've seen their faces. They're going to be at the back after the service. Go talk to them. Explore this more. Right now I'll invite... Well, I, why don't I pray for the groups? That's always a good thing. Lord, we thank you that through your church, you invite us to go deeper with each other, uh, to get to know you better, to transform in each other. And you make a promise, Lord... Wherever two or more are gathered in your name, there you are. So, Lord, we want to claim that promise right now. Uh, We pray, I pray right now, that you would show up in our groups, that your spirit would be there, that lives would be transformed, that uh, broken hearts would be healed, that uh, damaged lives, hopes, and dreams would be repaired. Uh, You are our great Savior. May everything that we do in our groups, in our church, glorify you and glorify your church. We pray for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Please sit down. Uh, as we continue to worship now, we're going to receive an offering. The offering is a chance for members of our church to support the ministries of our church. If you're a guest or a visitor, don't feel obliged to give. Think about your what you've heard. Read your card. Enjoy the music.